I believe it's in the book of Ezekiel where it talks about the angels that fly around the throne of God. And it talks about <clears throat> it talks about that they've been flying around him before earth even existed for all of eternity. They're flying around the throne. And every single time they pass, they see a new aspect of who God is. It makes me think we're seeing about ways that we don't even know how God is, but we know that He's good and He's a sovereign God. We're seeing about things that we don't even know the the extent of how good He is, but still we know, God, we know that You're good. We know the aspects that even we don't know about You, that they're good and that You're sovereign and that You love us so much. It's mind-bending to think how good our God is, how big He is, how many different aspects there are of our God. But what's cool is that our God is so caring and so loving of us that He doesn't want to seem so big and so out of this world that He's almost out of touch with who we want to see Him as. That He addresses us and shows Himself to us in a way that makes it simple for us, that makes it applicable to us. He doesn't come to us in this big, scary manner, even though that sometimes we may think of him that way, but he comes to us as a daddy. He comes to us as our father. And I don't know if, if maybe you didn't have a good dad on this earth. I don't know if you didn't grow up with a dad. But what's so good is that our heavenly Father has revealed Himself to us, revealed Himself to us through scriptures, through stories, through testimonies. He's revealed Himself to us as being kind and loving, and that He cares about us. That's the simplest way that you can accept Jesus, that you can accept God, that you can look at Him. Because if you try to think about it too much, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> it does to me. But just knowing that He loves you and that He looks at you like a dad looks at his, his kids. That's a beautiful thing about our God. That He's so big, He's so vast, there's so much to Him. But He just wants to be your dad. I don't know about y'all, but that makes my baby kick a little bit. That makes me think, wow, there is so much that I may not know, but I just have to know that he's my dad. Thank goodness that I have a good dad on this earth and that I get to look at my dad and say, okay, my dad here on this earth is amazing. How much more amazing is my heavenly father? That's what you can rely on is that maybe if your dad wasn't that good to you here, you can always look and say, my heavenly father is a whole heck of a lot better. And I can rely on him. I can rely on the love that he has for me. I can rely on the promises that he's given me because he's not going to promise me bread and he's going to give me a stone. He's not going to give me food and then hand me a snake instead. Because our God is that loving. Because he's our father plain and simple. If you don't know what that love is like, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes. I want you to just get in this place. My mom, uh, she did this for the Insight Lab 
but she said, go to that place or imagine a place where you feel so much peace. I'll tell you where mine is. Mine is, it's almost like in cliffs in Ireland where it's just a sheer drop off. Usually heights scare me so bad, but I'm standing right on the edge of this cliff like this. And as I'm standing there, I can feel the mist on my face. I can hear the waves crashing into the rocks below me. It's kind of cloudy. It's overcast. And God comes beside me. He just stands there with me. He just stands there. And whenever he comes up, there's a warmth. There's a, there's a, a peace. It's there. So I just want to take a moment. I want you to find that place. I want you to find that place where you find peace. And whenever you have that place where you find peace, I want you to imagine that your heavenly Father comes from behind, or comes from the side, or is approaching you. And you see the beauty of who he is. the love that he has in his eyes for you. And I want you to think about that love that he has and I want you to embrace it. I want you to feel the warmth that he has towards you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a father to us. And even though we may have not known what a good father was here on this earth, God, we thank you that you are a good father to us now. God, that when the moment that we came into relationship with you, that we were adopted into your family so that we didn't know what it was like. We didn't have to know anymore what it's like to be an orphan. Instead, we were accepted into your family. God, thank you for accepting us as we were, that we didn't have to be perfect. We didn't have to be anything. We didn't have to be refined to come to you, God, that you accepted us in our mess. That you said, here comes the prodigal coming home. God, that you took us for our mess and you said, you know what? I'm going to cover you like a father should. God, thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, man, that's a good start. Go ahead and give our worship team a hand clap, please. No, I'm all good. Thank you, James. Man, I think... Our worship team killed it this morning. I am, I am, I say this every time that I get up here. I'm a little partial to our worship team because that's the team that I serve on. But you know, hey, that's cool. Um, they're just amazing regardless. Uh, every serving team in here is regardless. We couldn't get a Sunday morning done without everybody that comes, shows up early, and puts in the work to make a Sunday morning happen. So if you would, please, please 
Please, let's honor the people who come in and serve every morning. All right. Well, how's everybody this morning? Awesome. That was a little bit more of a response than I normally get. Are y'all lively this morning? Woke up in a good mood? Plenty of sleep? Wish I got plenty of sleep. (laughs) I was nervous. All right, well, uh, the first order of business this morning is that I want to bring honor to Pastor Darren and Lynette, uh, or my mom and dad. Uh, mom's not here this morning. She is in Houston uh, doing a women's conference, and I believe she's watching online now. Hi, Mom. Uh, but I want to bring honor to them this morning because they have built an incredible foundation that not only I, but every speaker that gets to get up here uh, they have built an amazing foundation for us to stand on. And I'm so thankful for the call that God has put on their life to uh, be in ministry. Oh, man, I'm a baby this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so thankful that my mom and dad have stuck through the worst times, through the best times, through thick and thin, for the sake of ministry, for the sake of making sure that people know who Jesus is. And I'm so thankful for the platform that they have built here at N3C, the pulpit that they have built, and the uh, the reputation that it has. And I am so thankful. I know that everybody who gets up here to speak doesn't take this position lightly, and we are so thankful for the foundation that we get to now stand on, that we get to build on as well. So if you would, please bring honor to your pastors this morning. Oh, now let's see if I can get through the rest of the service without crying. I doubt it. Um, Well, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, the big blubbering mess up front here is Rhett Gleghorn. (laughs) Uh, It is, like I said, it's an honor to be up here. It's an honor to be able to stand and speak in front of you guys this morning. It's not something that I take lightly, and I'm super excited for this morning. One, because I get to be up here. It's always exciting. It's always uh, a little nerve-wracking. My my uh, seat, whenever I sit down in it, put a little crease in it, you know. Um, but I'm also really excited for this morning because we are kicking off a brand new series. Um, this series that we are kicking off is titled, titled Arrows. And this series was My Brainchild, um, which is kind of scary that we are doing something that I thought of as a series for church. (laughs) Um, This series came about through kind of a snowball effect of things, a snowball effect of thoughts. And one of the main contributors to this series was one Sunday, as some some of y'all may know, I'm on, like I said, I'm on the worship team and I play the electric guitar, the acoustic guitar, and mom and dad will sometimes have me come up and play at the end of service while they are uh, finishing up whenever they're praying, whatever that might look like. And one Sunday, dad invited me up on stage to, to uh, <clears throat> not to minister, uh, he invited me up on stage to play. And usually whenever I'm up there, my mind wanders. Um, I hate to say it, but I think about things that are not church. Um, I think about where I'm going to eat after church. I think about how hungry I am, which may not sound very holy, and I'm just up here letting you all know I'm human. (laughs) Um, But this particular Sunday, I had a realization come to me. And I was playing, and I all of a sudden realized that I get 
the opportunity and I get the honor to do ministry with my parents. That I get to stand up there, not, not just here in a pulpit, uh, a pulpit position. I get to do ministry alongside them at the same time as them. I get to play my guitar. I get to usher in, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a presence, but a certain mood and attitude of feel in the auditorium while they are closing things up. And that's not me saying that, oh, I get to do something cool. That's not me saying that. It's just saying that that's the realization that I had. And it made me think about the path that I had to be on to be where I'm at. It made me think about my mom and dad's guidance while I was on that path. It made me think about the things that they've taught me along the way. And that is the only reason why I get to be where I am. And it's only because of the of my parents' guidance, of the direction that they've given me. Another thing that contributed to this series, which is a little less serious, is that the more that I get older, the more I grow up, I have found that I'm becoming more and more like my father. <laughs> People come up to me after I minister and they tell me, you sound just like your daddy. And I'm like, please tell me that's a good thing. Because I take it as a good thing. I take it as a real good thing. But if you don't necessarily like his style of preaching, then I'm like... Is that a good thing? <laughs> no, I, I take it as a really good thing. I love that I'm becoming more and more like my dad every day because my dad is my hero. My dad is somebody that I look up to. And he is my main role model in everything that I do. If I can be half the man that my dad is, then I am doing something right. Amen? So, one, <laughs> one of the aspects that I'm becoming more like my dad in is my dad has a phrase that he says, don't worry, it's appropriate. <laughs> um, one of the things that my dad says is that I, I've heard this since I was a little kid growing up was whenever I would get hurt or Riata would get hurt or my mom would get hurt, whenever it wasn't too serious, whenever we weren't <laughs> squirting blood or nothing, my dad would look at us and he'd say, how'd that feel? Not a, oh, buddy, are you okay? You okay, son? Are you all right? Do you need help? How'd that feel? <laughs> well, daddy, to tell you the truth, it didn't feel good. <laughs> I got a goose egg on the side of my head. How do you think it felt? <laughs> well, I've adopted that saying. <laughs> I have found myself that whenever I'm around me and Lacey's nephew, my beautiful wife here up on the front row, ain't she good looking? Uh... I have found that whenever I'm around Lacey and I's nephew, Zakai, if he falls, if he bumps his head, hits his elbow, does something of that sort and hurts himself, I look at him and I don't say, are you okay? I say, how'd that feel? <laughs> and he usually looks at me and he goes, <laughs> like, why are you asking me such stupid questions, Uncle Bubba? That's what he calls me. That's what all of our nieces and nephews call me is Uncle Bubba. Um... But he looks at me and he's like, how do you think it felt? Duh, dude. I'm surprised I haven't said it to my wife and she isn't hauled off and, and said, how'd that feel, homeboy? I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> I expect it one day. I expect to be sitting on the couch and she does something and I go, ooh, how'd that feel? And I just expect to, her to come over and... Bah! 
How'd that feel? I expect it one day and I'm preparing myself for it. But I think back on all of those things that I've learned, all the things that I'm taking on of my dad, all the things that I'm taking on of my mom. And I am so thankful for those things. I'm thankful for the man that I'm coming into, or the, the man that I'm turning into because of the guidance in the direction of my parents. So this series that we're kicking off this morning, Arrows, is not necessarily a series about parenting. If it was a series about parenting, I wouldn't have a whole lot to say because I'm not a dad. I got my bow and my quiver, i.e. my wife. We're just working on the arrows part. (laughs) Aha! I thought that was going to get a lot more laughs. (laughs) Y'all are looking at me. Can he say that at the pulpit? Is he allowed to talk about a healthy relationship in the pulpit? Yes, I am. Y'all, mom said it a couple weeks ago. Y'all got to get hooked in with the intentional intimacy group because they are here to make sure that y'all got a healthy marriage and everything that goes along with it, the benefits of it. It is a benefit. I am recently married. We're coming up on two years and it is great. (laughs) My wife is up here going, oh God, no. I apologize. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm having fun. Are you guys having fun? Amen. No, this series is not all about parenting. Instead, what this series is going to be talking about is... (laughs) Y'all are still laughing. This series is talking about legacy and purpose. And if you get parenting out of it today, if you get parenting tips throughout this series, good deal. I mean, that's great, but what we want you to get away from, get from this mainly is how to better yourself. We want to get out of this whenever we may have kids one day, whenever we have grandkids one day, we want to get out of this about legacy and purpose. So if y'all would, go ahead and turn to Psalms 127. I'm gonna, while you're turning there, I'm going to talk a little bit more about how this series is going to be formatted. Uh, this week, obviously, I'm kicking things off. Uh, this is week one of the Arrow series. Next week, my dad is going to be ministering. He's going to be doing week two. And then week three, me and my dad are both going to be up here. Do y'all remember the Growing Up Leghorn series, or were you guys here for that? So the Growing Up Gleghorn series, what it entailed is that it was me and my family sat up here on couches. And what we did was we basically took questions that y'all had from the church, questions that you guys wanted to know about our family, wanted to know about, uh, you know, how we jived as a family type of deal. And we answered those questions. So throughout the course of this series, what we have decided to do is that on that third week, My dad and I are going to get up here and we are just going to have conversation. We are just going to talk and it's not, there may be a message that we formulate and it might be a little bit short, but what our main heart was for me and him to have conversation, but not just us have conversation. We wanted to have conversation with y'all. We wanted to collect questions from you guys. We wanted to collect things that maybe y'all want to know that are funny about us, things about uh, being a dad, being an arrow. Hey, Plug it. Um, being, 
things that you guys may want to know from us. If you hear something during this series that you're like, hey, I want to know more about that, write in a question. Well, how do you write in a question, Rhett? I'm going to tell you. We have set up boxes on this table back over here. There is a white box with the N3C logo on it. And over here on the tithe table, there is a white box with an N3C logo on it. We have set note cards out front of those boxes. And what we encourage you to do is if you have a question, if you have heard something throughout the course of this series that you're like, hey, I want to know more about that, go and write down on one of those note cards your question and drop it in those boxes. And we want to try and get to as many of those as possible whenever we get to week three. I'm really excited about that because it not only gives me and my dad an opportunity to show you our chemistry that we have, which I think is great, (laughs) but it also gives us a chance to connect with y'all. It gives us a chance to get to know you guys a little bit more and you get to know us a little bit more too. Amen. So that's how this series is going to go. If y'all have questions, we encourage you, go put them in those boxes because we want to we want to answer those questions, whether they're funny, whether they're serious, whatever it might be. We encourage you to put those questions in, okay? So that's what this series is going to look like. So now if you're in Psalms 127, we're going to start in verse 4. I'm actually going to get into, into this a little bit. So in Psalms... 127.4, it says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So this scripture was the jumping point from where I got the idea of the name arrows. And it made me think back to my sister and I being raised And it made me think that me and my sister were those arrows in my mom and dad's hands. It made me think about that from the time that Riata and I were born, we, or my parents, had the responsibility of treating us like those arrows. Whether that was fixing, uh, making repairs on the arrow, aiming us, making sure that we were ready for flight, making sure that we were tuned and ready to fly as straight as possible. And then they had the job of making sure that we were aimed as good as possible too, right? That's the job of a parent. Now, I read a little bit more ahead. I read Psalms 127.4 out of the New King James Version. Excuse me. I read a little bit further ahead to Psalms 127.5, but I read it out of the Passion Translation. If y'all don't have a Passion Translation Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen. But Psalms 127.5 says, Happy will be the couple who has many of them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. What I really liked about that, besides the arrows part, because it gave me the inspiration for this series... What I really liked was that part in verse 5 from the Passion Translation where it says, For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. That word prevail right there means to have victory over something or to outlast and be current. What I get from that part of Scripture is that something relevant has to be left to your kids, to your arrows, 
in order for them to be able to prevail on your behalf. So what is that part that you leave behind? What is it that you leave to your kids in order for them to prevail on your behalf? It's your legacy. Everybody say legacy. Legacy. Six of you said it. Legacy. Legacy. There we go. Thank you. So most of the time people probably hear this word legacy and they're like, that's a really big word with a really deep meaning behind it. I don't like thinking about things like that. I'm the same way. I don't like thinking about big words. I like using them, but I don't like thinking about the meaning of them. But if you simplify what that word legacy means, if you look at it from a simple, not, not simple in a bad way, but if you just simplify it down, the easiest way to think about legacy is an inheritance. If you look up that word legacy in the dictionary, The term legacy refers to a long-lasting impact of someone or something, but it also refers to an inheritance, something left to somebody in a will. Whenever we think of inheritance, we probably think of a sum of money, we think of property, we think of something left of value to a person after someone passes away, right? But coming away from, excuse me, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold, guys, so if I'm up here sounding nasty, I apologize. I'm not contagious anymore. My wife is totally fine. Just wanted to let you all know, if I have to cough real quick or if I'm... (laughs) I'm sorry, okay? (laughs) Coming away from today, I want to expand our view of legacy, that it's not some big, far-out, thought-out thing, but that it's just simply an inheritance, See, legacy and inheritance is more than just the physical aspects of you, but it's the non-physical attributes of you. So I have a story that goes along with that. And to preface this story, uh, I did not know the young man that I'm about to speak on. Um, I do know his brother very, very, very well. His brother is like a brother to me. And I called and I asked him if it was okay if I shared this story. And he gave me the green light for it. So the young man that I'm speaking about, this young man was a bullfighter. And he was a good bullfighter too. He was everything that you wanted a bullfighter to be. He was encouraging. He would go pick up the bull rope for the rider. And he would go back to him and say, hey, man, good ride. He was kind in and out of the, the arena And most importantly, as a bullfighter, he was willing to put his own safety on the line for the safety of the rider, for the safety of the person who was getting bucked off that was maybe not in such a great spot. He was willing to put himself in that place in order to protect him. Unfortunately, this young man had passed away in a car accident uh, whenever he was, gosh, I think he was early, early 20s. I mean, either early 20s or late teens. He had unfortunately passed away. Um... And I remember at some point after he passed away, I was in kids' church. That's how long ago this was and how big of an impact it had on me. Was I was in kids' church, so it was probably 10 years ago, and I was talking to a kid who looked up to this young man. And after this young man had passed away, this kid told me, he said, I want to carry on the legacy of who he was. But whenever he said legacy, what he referred to is he said, I want to carry on the nickname and the color that he wore in the arena. And I remember thinking, even as a 12, 13-year-old, I remember thinking 
that seems really shallow. It seems like a really shallow legacy. If that's all you got from him, that seems incredibly shallow. I remember thinking, how long is that going to last for? How long are you going to remember that legacy for? I would like to think that he remembered him for more than just the color that he wore and the nickname that he went by in the arena. I would like to think that he took on the characteristics and the attributes of who this young man was. But I don't know that for sure. Now, what I do know is that this young man's brother, who I said I'm very close with, makes sure that his brother is known for more than just his uh, occupation of being a bullfighter. He makes sure that his brother is known for more than just the color that he wore, the nickname that he took on in the arena. He makes sure that his brother is known for the characteristics that he carried in the arena and outside of the arena. But this story made me think, what is the legacy that we're leaving behind? What is the inheritance that we're leaving behind for the generations to follow us? Is our legacy just a nickname? Is our legacy just a job title? Is our legacy just a certain amount of money or a business? All those things are good to leave behind. All those things are a physical inheritance. The Bible tells us to leave a physical inheritance. I'm getting to that scripture in just a second. It's actually right next in my notes. Um, those things can all be left as an inheritance. But those are left for only a limited amount of time. They have an expiration date on them. One day the money's going to run out. One day the business might fail. It might get bought out. One day that nickname is going to be worn by several other people. What's the legacy that we're leaving? The scripture that I was referring to is Proverbs 13:22. In the very beginning of it, it says good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren. So what is that inheritance? Yes, it's physical. You have a responsibility to leave a physical inheritance. I have a responsibility for my kids to leave a physical inheritance. But what I want to introduce to you is the idea of true wealth. Now, what is true wealth? I asked the same question of my dad <laughs> whenever we were discussing this. I said, what do you mean by true wealth, Pop? And he said, true wealth is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's what you are instilling into your arrows. That's the inheritance that you're leaving behind is one where your kids can look back on it and they can have that wisdom, that knowledge, that understanding. Amen? So whenever I think about my inheritance, the physical side of it, there are things that I have told my parents that I would like. I don't know if that's morbid to, to, to say that. There are things that I've expressed to them, and it's not me being like, when you die, no, it's not that. It's whenever you pass away, whenever you go to the great beyond heaven with Jesus, I want to remember you by something real cool, you know? I can't really say that to my mom because I can't be like, I want to wear some of your heels and your Michael Kors purses. <laughs> mom does have really good taste, and I know that it's becoming more acceptable for dudes to do that. I don't go that way, cuz. I'm just letting you know right now, okay? I may wear girl jeans as I expressed in the last message that I did. That's it. They're in the men's section, okay, guys? 
Not girl jeans, men's jeans, okay? It might just be a little bit tight. I get it. I got boomsticks, all right? It's cool. I call my legs my boomsticks because they're big. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've, I've told my dad things that I want in my inheritance from him. And one of those things would be his Trans Am. He has a 70 and a half Pontiac Trans Am that he had when he was 16 years old. Literally the same one that he had whenever he was 16. And it is a cool car. I mean, it is sweet. I mean, mint. Mint condition, except it doesn't run. <laughs> My uncle's getting it running for us. Don't worry. It's cool. Um my cool car doesn't run either that well, you know, but hey, me and dad are working on it. Um, that's one of the things that I've told my dad that I want. Another thing that I told my dad that I would like from him whenever he passes away is he has a watch that was a gift from a dear friend of ours. Is it okay if I say what kind of watch it is? <laughs> it's a Breitling watch. And my dad would never buy something like that for himself, but it was a gift from a very, very dear friend of ours. And my dad looks so cool wearing it. He's got it on. <laughs> I didn't know if it was maybe his Apple watch that he had on today, but my dad, whenever he puts on that watch, he's James Bond out here. He's rolling around. He's like, can I get a scotch? You know, talking like James Bond, like the cool James Bonds, like Sean Connery and stuff, you know, but that's something that I told my dad that I would like of his too. Another physical thing, and this one is a little bit more sentimental than the others, is I would like to have his Bible one day. And the reason that I want his Bible is, have you had that Bible for longer than you had me? No? Pretty, pretty close. I remember you walking around with it. I mean, since I was a little guy. I mean, dad's had this Bible for forever. Ever. The leather is worn on it. It's soft. The little uh, bookmark thingy is all curled and, you know. But I want that Bible at some point because my dad has marked in the margins. He's written things in it. He's highlighted things. He's written in sticky notes and he tossed them into the side of that Bible. And there's things in there that God has revealed to my dad that I want to know about those things if they haven't already been revealed to me yet. I think that'd be so cool. That's such a valuable inheritance to me. Now, like I said, those are the physical things of inheritance. But there's things that I have now that are part of my inheritance that I didn't have to wait for. That I didn't have to wait for my parents to pass away to get them. I have my integrity. I have honesty. I have self-control, I have honor and respect, I have love, I have compassion, I have the, 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 basically the roadmap for a great marriage. But the most important thing that my parents have left me is my faith in Jesus, that they've led me to a relationship with Jesus. And it's not a second-hand relationship, it's not a relationship where I'm like, okay, my parents believe, so that's good enough for me. I've accepted Jesus into my life. Now I'm going to ride the coattails of who my parents are. Did you get it, Alex? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you get it at least? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Alex. No, I, I, my parents have led me to a place where I have a firsthand relationship with who Jesus is. And that's a really important part of my inheritance.
the things that I will be left physically in my inheritance don't hold a candle to the things that I already do have. The inheritance that's already mine, that my parents have already given me, that my parents have already instilled in me as an arrow is so much more valuable than the things that I could get in the future. Whether that be a cool car, a cool watch, even more than the physical Bible, it's the things that God has revealed to my parents in their Bibles that I get now. In the season that I'm in, I see myself as an arrow in flight. I've left my parents' bow in their quiver. I am in the real world. I am a grown man. (laughs) And I'm in flight. They have set me on my way. They have put me on my course. I have left the bowstring, and I'm out in the air. And there are times where my parents still have to give me direction. There are times where I still have to go to my parents and say, Hey, man, I don't know. But they give me that direction, even while I'm in flight. But in the season where I'm in flight, I have to look back on a lot of the lessons that I have learned, right? And two of those lessons come to mind. One, because they're funny, and two, because they were important lessons. And the first one has to do with honesty. I was about three or four years old when this happened. And my dad had taken me with him to do a team pinning. He was doing the message that morning. And we had gotten done with the message and everything. And my dad, we had an old black Suburban. My dad was loading up stuff in the back of this Suburban. And he told me, son, get up in your car seat, buckle yourself, and I'll come by to check on you. And at the time that this happened, there was a movie out called Home on the Range from Disney. If you don't know what it is, it's about, (laughs) it's about cows that fight a cattle rustler. And this was my favorite movie. Alex knows what I'm talking about. It's a good movie. So great. Well, they call each other stupid cows at one point in this movie. And instead of me, whenever my dad told me this, uh, to get up in my car seat, instead of saying, okay, dad, or yes, sir, I said, oh, you stupid cow. <laughs> I kid you not. My dad looks around the suburban and he does this. What'd you say? <laughs> and I, I start backpedaling. I go, I, I, I said, you're funny, dad. I said, you're funny. And he goes, no, Rhett, what did you say? And the whole time that I'm backpedaling, he's walking towards me. <laughs> and finally I hit the door of the suburban and my dad gets down on my level and he says, what did you say, Rhett? I said, I called you a stupid cow. <sighs> I don't know how he could spank me. I was so stinking cute back then. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, I I got a whooping for it. And dad put me up in my car seat and he finished packing out the Suburban and he comes by to me after, before he shuts the door and everything. He comes by and he says, buddy, I didn't spank you because you called me a stupid cow. I spanked you because you lied to me. Did I learn my lesson? No. (laughs) I had a couple more brushings with not telling the truth and a spank stick in my rear end. But I remember that story And I don't think I lied very much as a kid, did I? (laughs) Okay, never mind, never mind. Whatever. (laughs) I, I, I like to think that I learned my lesson a little bit at least. I like to think that I didn't lie near as much as I would have if I didn't learn that lesson that early on. But that was one of the most important things that I remember learning as a kid was honesty from that story. 
Another story, this one comes from my mother. Um, I was about 11 or 12 years old. And if mom's watching, she knows where I'm going. Because she's probably told it in a sermon or she's probably mentioned it to y'all people. Whenever I was 11 or 12 years old, I'm just going to be honest, I was a hefty child. I was a little bit of a chunk of dunk. Ain't going to lie. And my guilty pleasure was sweet tea. Sweet tea is so good. I love it even now. One day I walked to the fridge and I had my cup in my hand. It was probably this hand because I opened the fridge like that. Um, I had my cup in my hand. I walk over to the fridge and I'm like, I'm going to give me some sweet tea. It's going to quench my thirst. I can already taste it. It's good. Open the fridge and I look. Ain't no pitcher of sweet tea in there. And I turned around to my mom and I said, Mama, there's no sweet tea. Somebody stole the pitcher. And my mom says, no, nobody. I didn't actually say that. I'm not dumb. No, my mama looks at me. She says, I know there's no sweet tea. What? Why didn't you make more? She says, son, we need to be more healthy. Oh, healthy, schmealthy. I want my sweet tea. And she said, buddy, we can't drink sweet tea all the time. We have to have self-control. And we have to drink unsweet tea or water every now and again. (laughs) Well, I was mad at this revelation my mom had, at this health kick that my mom was going on. And I walked my happy butt out to our willow tree that we have in the corner of our, of my parents' property. And I sat down, started drawing with a stick in the dirt. And about five or ten minutes later, my mom comes out and she sits down right next to me. She goes, buddy, what's wrong? And I said, mama, I like sweet tea. <laughs> sweet tea's good for me. It makes me feel good. I like it. And there's no reason why you should take it away from me. I am perfectly healthy as I weighed like a buck 50 as a 11 or 12 year old. <sighs> and what I expected from my mom was that she would sit and she'd say, Rhett, you are so right. I don't know what I was even thinking. Why would I take sweet tea from my son? This is the one thing that gives him joy in life, and I'm taking that? How could I do that to you, son? You are so right. You know what? Let's go make sweet tea as a mother and a son. And then there would be a slow pan zoom from the back over our property. And soft piano music would start playing. And there would be a narrator that came over that said, And from that day forward, Rhett never had to go a day without sweet tea again. (laughs) Let me tell you, that didn't happen. Because my mom sat right next to me and she said, I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) I got mad again. And I was so upset that my mom took my sweet tea from me. It's embarrassing to talk about now. (laughs) But my mom took the sweet tea. I got over it eventually because I got sweet tea a little bit more often than I thought that I would be getting it. I thought that it was completely banished, but it wasn't. Um, Come to find out a few years later, my mom told me the reason why. And she said, this is her words. This isn't me being gross or... Why is he talking so much about, you know, the SEX in the pulpit? 
Just hear me out. My mom told me, she said, I need you to have, I needed you to understand self-control, even if it was something as simple as sweet tea, that I needed you to remember that whenever you may be in the backseat of a car with a girl, if she tells you no, no means no. That's heavy. I learned that from sweet tea? No, but that, that's the, that's the reason why my mom taught me that lesson. She said, whenever somebody tells you no, no means no. You have to have the self-control to shut your body down and say, I, it's cool. You have to have that self-control, son. That's what my mom told me. Now I think about these stories and the reason why I mention these stories, like I said, is because they're funny. They make me laugh. It's what we talk about around our dinner table or whenever we are um, just convert, conversing about my mom and dad raising me in Riata. Believe me, I have plenty of those stories. But I also think about these stories because they taught me values. See, the thing with values is that they make a valuable inheritance. They make your legacy worth prevailing. And the cool thing about this type of inheritance is that it doesn't have to wait for whenever you pass away. The cool, Jesus calling, the cool thing about this inheritance, the cool thing about this inheritance is that whenever you pass it on to your kids, you get to watch them grow in the things that you've taught them already. You get to watch them learn about those things and say, hey, I learned about this before. My mom and dad taught me this. And I'm going to see if I can get a better outcome than the last time. That's what's cool about this inheritance that you're passing on now is that it's not something for death. I think about the most important thing with an inheritance. And it's the idea of generational wealth. And if you don't know what generational wealth is, I'm going to explain it. And generational wealth is wealth that is passed down from generation to generation. It doesn't just last one generation. It's passed down over the years from parent to parent to parent to parent. I think about the generational wealth that our legacies could have. That is passed down from generation to generation to generation. I think about the process of making an arrow. I think about the process of um, coming up with the idea of the arrow. That they made... All of these, they, they, they probably had a bunch of different models, a bunch of different things that they were trying to get to work with the bow. Finally, somebody came up with the concept of the arrow, and they thought, this could work. And they made it, they honed it, they got the right fins for the end, they got the right head. Chance, am I saying the right things? Chances are archery guy. <laughs> he, they got the knock right and everything, and they made the arrow. And then I think about it being passed down to the next person who made an arrow. But they saw things that they could improve upon, and they did, and then they made their arrow. Then they passed it on, it was improved, 
then they made their their arrow. And it just kept getting passed on and passed on and passed on and improved on and improved on and improved on until we have the arrows that we have now where they're made out of carbons, different metals. They're made out of synthetic materials, actual feathers. The knocks light up. The heads are for different things, whether it be for target practice or shooting a deer, shooting whatever it might be. That's how it's advanced. From the first arrow that may have just been a stick and a couple of turkey feathers to where it is now. The same goes for our non-physical inheritance and our legacy. That what you teach your kids now will be passed on for generations and generations to come. See, legacy and inheritance isn't just money and a moment, but it's a lifestyle passed on from life to life. I think I like to think that the legacy that I would leave behind is something that my kids teach to their kids. That the things that I teach my kids, they think, I remember daddy talking about that, so I'm going to pass that on to my kids because that's pretty valuable to know. I'd like to think that that'll happen. Like I said, I don't have kids. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'd really like for it to. Maybe... Maybe you're in here and you think, well, my, my, my parents didn't leave me that good of a legacy. Maybe you're thinking, uh, I didn't grow up with a parent. I didn't grow up with parents, plural. Or my parents weren't maybe abusive. I'm just going to use that word, okay? That's Okay. Because you have the chance now to change the direction that you were aimed. The difference between us and an arrow is that an arrow is an inanimate object. An arrow can't do anything except go where it's aimed. Unless there's an outside source, wind pushing it or whatever it might be. An arrow can't help but go where an arrow is aimed already. But we have a choice. We have the ability to say, I wasn't aimed very good, but I'm going to go this way instead. We have the ability to say, I didn't have so very much purpose put in my life, but I'm going to choose to have purpose and go that way. But we can also change ourselves for the bad also. We may have been aimed as straight as we could go, right at the bullseye, and choices may alter our path. I think about, please hear me whenever I say this, I'm not saying it to be a turd or anything like that, believe me, because I've made my fair choice of blaming stuff on people. I've made my fair, fair share of bad choices. But there comes a point whenever, instead of blaming your choices or the way that you were aimed or the way that you were shot, there comes a point where you have to start taking responsibility for yourself too. There comes a point where you have a victim mentality. And a victim mentality is whenever you shift blame constantly off of yourself onto someone else. And I want you to hear me. If you did grow up in an abusive situation or if you grew up without a parent or parents, I am not discrediting what you had to go through because that hurts. That leaves scars. 
Trust me, I, I, I've heard stories. I don't know what that's like personally, but I've heard stories of how it affects people. And I believe me, I'm not discrediting that, okay? But what I'm saying is that at some point, your legitimate reason could be seen as an empty excuse. And that is a bad place to be in. There has to come a point where you decide to make the change for yourself and for the future generations that are coming after you. Corey Asbury just come out with a song. If you, if you, if you know who Corey Asbury is, he is a incredible songwriter. Corey Asbury is so good at writing songs. I did a message about the prodigal son not too long ago, probably back in springtime. And he wrote the song that I based my, my sermon off of. But he came out with a song called My Inheritance. I got emotional listening to this song this morning because it was talking about, excuse me, it was talking about the inheritance. I don't know if this was Corey Asbury's story or not, or if he was writing from the point of view of this being someone's story. But the first verse is, I know he loved his whiskey and I know he loved his wine, but I always questioned if he loved me and I always wonder why. Referring to a father figure. And in the chorus he goes on to say, um, come on, remember the chorus. <laughs> Essentially he goes on to say, I got everything that he was and who I didn't want to be. And I guess that's my inheritance. He goes on through the story or through the song in the last verse says, I ran to Jesus and he showed me his hands and he said, son, I did this for you. He said, you'll be a daddy like you never knew. And he said, I got the final chorus says, I got who he was and who I finally wanted to be. And that's my inheritance. So maybe you didn't grow up with a positive influence on your life from one of your parents or from either of your parents, or if you grew up without parents, or if you grew up in an abusive situation, that's okay because your physical, your earthly parents might have failed you, but your heavenly father won't. Your heavenly father says some pretty dang cool stuff about you that we have to search out, that we have to read. I think it's Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 2 says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search those matters out. We have to search those matters out. We obviously know certain things. We obviously know like, yeah, God loved me so much and stuff like that. We can base it off of certain things that we may just know from basic knowledge. But there are scriptures that say so much about who God says that you are. I'm going to read a couple of them. Elise, this is the first list. I have them, I have them on a list that the media team has. And I encourage you to write these down, especially if you grew up in one of those situations. Here are some of the things that God says about you. Maybe you were told that you're unlovable. Romans 8.39 says, There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love. 
Maybe you were told that you weren't wanted. Maybe you were told you were an accident. Maybe you grew up as an orphan. Let me tell you this. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6 says, For it was always in his perfect plan, in his perfect plan, referring to God's perfect plan to adopt us. Maybe you were told that you weren't anything special. Psalms 139 verse 14 says that we are so beautifully and wonderfully made that we are complex and that God knows every part of who we are despite us being so complex. Maybe you were told that you weren't worth it. You're not worth the time. You're not worth it. John 3.16 says otherwise. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave the most important thing in his possession in order to be able to spend an eternity with you. That's one heck of an inheritance right there. That you were given a way to get to the throne. That you were given a way to not know what it's like to ever live without the presence of God on the inside of you. That's inheritance right there. Now is the time. Now is the time to change the course that you were put on. Now is the time to start leaving a legacy worth prevailing for, not just for yourself, but for the future generations to come before you or to come after you. I said that wrong. Now is the time that you start leaving a legacy that is positive that your kids are going to look back on and say, you know what? This is worth passing on to my kids too. It's okay to be that change. It's okay to say, you know what? My parents may have not gotten it 100% right, but I'm going to teach them and teach my kids and I'm going to improve upon what I may not have known or what I did know. Thomas Edison said whenever he was making the light bulb, somebody asked him about failure and he didn't say, he said, I didn't fail. I found 10,000 ways it won't work. Your parents may not have failed, but you can find a better way to do it. And that's okay to do. So I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I want you to imagine that we are all long gone. Everybody in this room, all that's left is the future generations. How will they remember you? Will it be, will your legacy and your inheritance to them be a nickname? Will it be the couple million dollars that you left behind? Will it be a business that you grew? Or will it be something of true wealth? Will your inheritance be something of true wealth? Will you be remembered and your legacy will be passed down of honesty, of integrity, will be of love and compassion? Will it be for your faith? Will your kids look back on the certain situations that you may have walked through? And will your kids say, you know what? Whenever they come to something, will they say, you know what? I don't know exactly what to do, but whenever my mom and dad didn't know what to do, they always turned to Jesus. I know that for my parents, whenever they got that diagnosis or whenever my dad got his diagnosis, 
I remember being so angry. I remember thinking, God, why would you do this to my dad? You told him that it wasn't Parkinson's, and then the doctors are going to come back and tell him that it is. How could you do this to my dad? I remember telling my parents that a few years later. I settled it with God. But I remember telling my parents a few years later, and my dad told me, he said, I did the same thing, bud. But it didn't stop me from seeking what God was actually doing. And I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember my dad telling me, I don't know what God's doing. But all I can do is trust him. Uh, I talked to dad this week about some stuff. It was on my mind. Things that were really bothering me. And my dad told me, he said, son, that's the mystery of God. We can't know everything that God's talking about, everything that's going through his mind. We can't know. Thank you, James. We can't know everything that God's thinking. But that's the beauty and the mystery of him, and that's the beauty of faith. And I came away from that conversation with more peace than I've ever had about that. I came away and I was driving, I drove to my parents' house to talk to him about this stuff. And I drove away from there saying, God, give me peace. God, I choose not to let this thing cause fear in who I am, but I choose to lean on you. I choose to lean on the faith that you have given me, the faith that I have in you. And God, I choose to say, even though that I don't know, I'm going to trust you because my dad told me that that's the beauty and that's the mystery. I chose to say, God, I may not know, but I give it to you. And I believe that's the same thing that my dad had to do whenever he got his diagnosis was say, I don't know, but God, I choose to believe you. And this is not going to shake what I have already founded in you. That's one of the most important things in my inheritance that my parents have left me. That's one of the most important things that's part of my legacy or that's part of my parents' legacy that I'm going to make sure is carried on hopefully past my kids, but to their kids as well, that they're going to say, I don't know what this thing is. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to choose to have faith because my great, great granddaddy had faith whenever he didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, God, I choose to trust you. I believe in you and I choose to give this situation to you, even though that I don't see the end of this thing or I don't know where this is going to end, but I choose to give this to you because God, you know, you are the great physician and you know exactly what's going to happen to me. So I choose to trust you. I want my kids to look back at my dad and say, I am going to follow in his footsteps and I am going to trust God. You should want the same thing for your kids too. You should want your kids to look back on you, onto your grandparents, and you should want them to say, I don't know, but my dad had so much faith. My mama had so much faith that I don't know the answers. They're gone, so I can't, I can't ask them for the answers, but God does know. So that's who I'm leaning on now. That's what your legacy should be.
That's what your legacy should be. That's the standard. That's the standard of what you're instilling into your arrows. Is the baseline standard of a biblical relationship with Jesus. The other stuff's going to follow. The honesty, the integrity, the love and the compassion. Those things are going to follow after you have taught your kids to have a relationship with Jesus. That's what's going to follow. Whenever they have the love of Jesus on the inside of them, whenever they have Jesus on the inside of them, that's what they are going to have that's going to kick off everything else. That's the standard. The standard is a biblical way to raise your kids. Billy Graham said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Maybe you're thinking, how do I raise kids? I'm new to this whole Christian thing. I'm new to walking with Jesus. Or maybe you've been walking for a while and you're like, I I need to be better about this. What are some things that, that I can lean on to in order to raise my kids better. At least this is the the second list. Again, I encourage you guys to write this down. And I'm paraphrasing what these verses say because if I read all of them for the extent that they were, it'd be a little bit long. But Ephesians 6.4 says, Raise your children in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 78, 4 says, share the promises and the goodness of God with your children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, point your kids on the right path so they don't stray from it. So they don't stray from it. I'm starting to stutter. Proverbs 17, 6 says, be a role model for your children. Walk in a godly path so that your children will have something to look to. Proverbs 13, 24, and 29, 17 says, Discipline your kids because it shows that you truly love them. I'm not saying that anybody in this room does this, but there is a lack of discipline for some kids. And I'm not saying this to get into anybody's chili or to stir anything, but I feel like I can say this because I was whooped as a child. That is so important. I'm just going to be honest. If you whoop your kids, it's not fun in the moment, but your kids are going to really thank you later on in the future. It's not fun, trust me. I've been on the receiving end. (laughs) Hey, funny story. I had to spank Zakai one time, our nephew, and I didn't want to hurt him, so I just did like a little poof, and he looks at me and he goes, do it again, that didn't hurt. I kid you not. I was like, this kid, man. No, I think that's such an important part of parenting is making sure that your kids understand discipline because whenever they get in the classroom and their teachers say, hey, don't do that, I'm going to send you to the principal's office and they do it anyway, you're going to be getting a lot of phone calls home. (laughs) Do it for your sanity later on. (laughs) But Proverbs, I said that, um, 3 John 1.4 says, helping your children in their walk with Christ is the most joyous thing that you can do. I'm going to close with this. 
arrows need to be left something more than just physical value. Arrows need to be left something with true wealth attached to it. Something that's going to give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, this message doesn't pertain to me. I don't got no kids. My kids are grown up and moved away. My kids, I, 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 don't, I don't got kids. I don't even have a wife. Maybe you're in this place and you're thinking that, but let me tell you, it's never too late to work on your legacy. It's never too late to do something new in your legacy, to start writing a different chapter. It's never too late to leave a legacy that's worth prevailing and to leave an inheritance that is more than just physical value. If you're here and you're saying, I don't have kids, it's never too early to start working on your legacy. If you start working on it now, your kids are going to have such a rich inheritance. So what I encourage you to do, search out those things that the Bible says. Search out the things that God says about you. Number one, that God says, this is what I say about you. Because even if your parents were really good parents like mine, and they gave you those values, they taught you those things, they are leaving a good legacy, an, an inheritance of true wealth. It's always good to know what your father in heaven says about you too. Because those things hold a lot more value than earthly things. Than earthly things that have been passed on to you. Search those things out. That list that I gave you is just the bare minimum. I mean, I mean that's starting out. Search those things out. Go back to what Proverbs, what is it, 22? What Proverbs 22 says, that it's your honor as a king and as a queen to search those things out. Amen? It's time to start building a legacy worth prevailing over. Give your kids something that they want to be proud of to pass on to their kids. Leave them something that they say, hey, this is this is my inheritance. This is a good inheritance. I want to leave that for my babies. My mom and dad want to leave that for us and for my grandkids later on. Amen. All right, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your goodness, God. Thank you for being that good Father. The Father that I mentioned in the beginning, God. Thank you so much for being for being so good to us. For leaving us a legacy that we can search out ourselves. For leaving us little treasures hidden in Scripture that you have said about us, God. God, thank you so much for being such a good dad. Thank you for being such a good father. If you're in here this morning and you say, I don't necessarily know what it's like to have a legacy founded on faith. 
But I want to start. What I encourage you to do, I'm not going to make you walk an aisle. I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing to stand up and shout and say, I'm over here. That's not what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm, all I'm going to ask you to do is I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up right here by your shoulder so that I can see it. And if that's you this morning, that you say, God, I want to start a legacy that is founded on faith. I encourage you to just put your hand up real, real little right here. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, y'all can put your hands down. Now, if you're in this place and you say, I did have a legacy that was founded on faith, but I've lost it. I started to walk away from it. I started to pull back on it. What I encourage you to do now is to do the same thing. Just put your hand up right here. Just right next to your shoulder. What I encourage you to do is do that. And what that's doing is that's making a statement saying, God, I want to have my legacy founded on you. I'm going to raise my hand too because I've messed up a lot. (laughs) I need to come back. I want to come back. I want to have that legacy that's constantly being founded on faith. So I'm raising my hand with you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can put your hands down. God, thank you so much for these people that are coming back into your family. What I encourage you guys to do now is that whenever I'm saying these things, just say, just begin to say, Jesus, I accept you. Whether you want to do that out loud, whether you want to um, say it in your heart, whether you want to say it just quietly in your head, just say, God, I accept you into my heart. Jesus, I accept who you are. I accept that you died on the cross for me. I accept that you raised three days later because you loved me. Jesus, I accept you. I accept you into my heart and I want you to be my king forever. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for all these people that are joining your family this morning that are being adopted into who you are. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, I'm sorry I went a little bit over my time this morning. Did y'all get something?